What's up, guys? This is Impact on Purpose. Change your home and your dome by making powerful choices and loving others well. We hope you enjoy the episode. And remember, brace for impact. So we're picking up right where we left off last week. Uh, and we're asking, where? Wait, God, really, where? Where do Jesus' footsteps actually lead us? Right? Because last week we talked about how when we do the things Jesus did, it puts us in conflict with how we are raised in Western culture to live in a society that worships hurry and efficiency and speed. Um, and so today we're asking, where do those things actually lead us? So um, I talked last week about some spiritual practices or formations or disciplines, whatever you want to call them. Um, and those are not exclusive. That's not an exclusive list. There are plenty more things that Jesus did, right? Um, but the ones we talked about last week are silence and solitude. We talked about worship. Um, we talked about slowness, simplicity, prayer. What am I missing? Shabbat. Oh, and tithing and giving. We talked about all those things being um, an attempt to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And if you remember why we do that, the quote that I gave you was that because it was because hurry is the great enemy of spirituality in our world today. And so all these things uh, help us to eliminate hurry. They help us to live against the world of distractions and cheap rest that we are so immersed in. And so, again, I'll ask, where do Jesus' footsteps actually lead us? And my answer, and I, I believe God's answer, is that they lead us into an abiding relationship with God. That's what it's all about, and that's what we're talking about today is, is, where, you know, is why Jesus did the things he did and why that matters. Okay, so but before we talk more about the actual abiding relationship, let's talk about the problem. Put that up on the board, Steph. So the problem with all of this, the problem with where we're going today, is that we so often tend to make ourselves the gods of our own story. We decide to live in a tiny story where we're the main character instead of living in God's story. We trust ourselves instead of God, right? We break our relationship with him so that we can put ourselves in the driver's seat. We make religious systems all the time. Uh, and we end up disconnecting with our relationship with God. And so um, religion is what those practices can lead to if relationship is not our goal. And that's what I was trying to warn you against at the end of last week. I said um, specifically that those practices are never meant to earn points, never meant to um, turn into a religious system, and they're not meant to make you a better person. They're just not. Uh, and if, if, those, if that becomes the case for any of those practices, then congratulations, you've developed a religious system. Good for you. Uh, it's not good. I'm kidding. Sorry, that was not a good joke. Um, Religion is when we, when we say, if I do this, then I will achieve a certain status, right? Obviously, we understand that the Pharisees were a great example of that, but we all live in that in some way today, right? Where we believe that some part of our relationship with God is based on, if I do this, then this will happen, right? Then I will achieve this status. I will become closer to God because I did this, right? And that's what we want to avoid. In fact, Jesus came... Um, among other things, to tear down a religious system. A religious system that was centuries old and had grown to um, the bureaucracy level. 
where rules upon rules were being made and heavy burdens were being laid upon people in order for them to become more, in order for them to matter. The people who did not obey those rules didn't even matter in society and were shunned. Um, So Jesus came to tear that down. Uh, He also came uh, to offer us a different solution. He He came to offer us the fullness of relationship with God, not baggage to go with the relationship, but the fullness of uninterrupted, unblocked by sin, relationship with God. And so this is, I do not have the emotional bandwidth to communicate this part to you correctly. And I don't know anybody who does. But our Father has gone through such extravagant um, and extraordinary measures to continue loving us. I think those four songs said it better than I ever could. And uh, just amazing that God is just working. We did not talk at all about this. I didn't even look at the songs until I just sang them today. So um, God has gone through extreme measures to continue loving us. He's continued to love us through humanity's failures, humanity's brokenness, humanity's sin. Um, and that's what, that's what we're here to talk about. Consider Adam and Eve, right? The very first failure of humanity. They decided that instead of putting God in the driver's seat and living out his story, they would make their own story because theirs would be better. Now, the logical thing to do if you're God is to just restart, right? Humanity is only a couple days old. Just just pump out a couple new humans and do it over again, see if it works better, right? That's what most people would do in that spot. Like, oh, this experiment didn't work. Let's try again. Uh, And yet God covers their failure and he extends himself past that betrayal to continue loving Adam and Eve. I find that extraordinary. Um, Go to the next slide and we'll look at Exodus 20. We're at Mount Sinai and of course we know what happens here. But this verse says, uh, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. If this was a human relationship, hopefully we'd be able to understand the betrayal that that is. Right? God just... Um, went to extravagant measures to release this people from slavery. He just saved them from an army of, pursu- of pursuers. And yet, in all of those loving acts, they reject him. And they say, nope, that relationship is too much for me. You tell this guy what to do, and we'll do it. You set up a religious system for us, and we'll be able to handle that. And yet, even in the face of that rejection, God continues to turn his love towards his people. And all throughout the Bible that continues, obviously. Um, I don't need to list the stories. We are all familiar of uh, the stories of the people of Israel turning away and then God having to continue to love them through a tough situation. And so that continues until Jesus arrives and he, Jesus came and shook up the religious system of the Jewish people. All right, as I said before, the Jewish people at that time began to believe that filling out checkboxes was the relationship with God. Uh, And to be fair, they were living in an incomplete system, right? They were living in a covenant that was not yet the final covenant. 
They're living in a system where they had to continually shed off their sin through rituals and sacrifices over and over and over again without end for centuries and centuries and centuries. Almost as if it was made for someone to come and fulfill finally. And so Jesus came to shake that religion, but not just to shake religion, to fulfill that covenant and offer us not just a new covenant, but the best covenant, the best relationship with God possible, a a relationship with God that is not blocked by our sin, that is not weighed down by rituals and sacrifices, by baggage, by rules. Jesus was willing to pay the ultimate price. Uh, Steph, go up. Next slide. Thank you. So Isaiah says prophetically of Jesus' work, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrow that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. And so even with the knowledge that all humanity would continue to go astray, Jesus took on the weight of the sin of the world as his own so we could have relationship with him. So that we could have what he created us to have with him. So we could live the way he created us to live. Even today, God continues keeping his love directed towards us, even though we continue to turn away as humanity, not just as individuals. And yet, every one of those turning turning away is us, just like Adam and Eve, just like the Israelites, putting ourselves in the driver's seat, making ourselves the gods of our own story. Our decisions, our dreams, our goals, every turning away from that relationship is an example of us putting ourselves before God. So, the next slide will ask what, oh, sorry, walking in Jesus' footsteps leads to what? So we understand the problem. We understand that Jesus is the solution. So I'm not here to give you a solution. Jesus is the solution, right? Um, But what does that look like? Walking in Jesus' footsteps leads to, oh, it's already up there, obedience. (laughs) So much for the build-up. I'm kidding. All right. Um, Yeah, so obedience is the first thing that walking in Jesus' footsteps leads to, right? Let me rephrase that. All of the practices we talked about last week, all of the denying hurry, all of those things lead us as the main goal to relationship with Jesus. And in that relationship, the first thing that usually comes up is obedience. It's kind of the first, not hurdle, but the first thing that we are met with in our relationship with God. It's, a, it's an example of trust versus our desires for our story. Can I trust my relationship with God enough? That's a hard question for us to ask ourselves. It's hard to submit to God's will for our lives, and yet we are to look at all of the things he took on for us, all of the times that he continued loving humanity and us as individuals, regardless of our brokenness, our failures, our sin, our turning away from him. 
So we get a choice to turn our trust and our love back toward God and to meet him face to face in that relationship or continue living in our own small stories. It's obedience to his word, obedience to his voice, to his calling, to his spirit. And obedience often leads to sacrifice. Right? Not a great trajectory so far. Just just in the worldly perspective, right? Obedience often leads to sacrifice. Now, last week we talked about two ways that obedience leads to sacrifice and then sacrifice leads to a really awesome blessing. Uh, and that's why I talked about them first. Um, Shabbat and tithing and giving are, command, are, are things that God asks us to sacrifice in obedience that lead to a super, super awesome blessing and he anoints those things. And that's really, really cool. Uh, and yet... We're never, supposed to trust, uh, trust, we're never supposed to do those things out of obedience because of the result. In fact, that's not even obedience. Right? If you're doing something based on the result being guaranteed, you're not trusting or obeying anybody except for the results. So we're actually called to live in trust when we sacrifice things, when God calls us to sacrifice. And the truth is that Jesus calls us to a life of sacrifice. He tells us that walking in his footsteps is a life of sacrifice. Um, He calls us to lay down our dreams, our desires, our distractions, our selfishness, so that we can have true relationship with him. In fact, if you think of your deep relationships, they require sacrifice. Right? We were all made aware of that on our wedding day when we realized, oh, this is going to require sacrifice. And then even more so when we have kids. (laughs) Like, oh man, this is a lot of sacrifice, right? Relationship, true relationship requires sacrifice. So it's not as if God is putting this on us as an extra thing. This is not baggage. This is what true relationship looks like. And yet this is where we often stop. We see these two words as believers and we stop right there. We often turn obedience into religion, right? We turn those list of practices into a list of rules. Or we see the word sacrifice and run from it because it's scary. That word is really scary. And the unfortunate part is that sacrifice is rarely comfortable. Um, Jesus tells us in John 16, Steph, thank you. He says, here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. All right, thanks Jesus. That was some bad news and some really good news. That's awesome. The next verse is a little bit harder to hear. If any of you wants to be my follower, okay, that's us, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Let me break that down a little bit differently. If any of us wants to follow Jesus, we must give up our own way in obedience, take up our cross in sacrifice, and follow him. And he is leading us into relationship. So those are not easy things. And like I said, this is where most believers stop. And they say, this is enough relationship with God for me. Right before obedience and sacrifice, I'm good. Um, And yet it's hard to actually say that there is a relationship without obedience and sacrifice. Luckily, Jesus also says this. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, 
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. How is that even possible, Jesus, when you just said that we have to lay down ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you? Well, what Jesus is really saying here is that an easy life isn't an option. If your goal is to live an easy life, good luck. But it's not an option in following Jesus. And yet, an easy yoke is. You see, Jesus calls us to follow him. And he calls us to follow him, and he says that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. So, we know that he calls us to sacrifice and obedience. And we know that those are scary things. And yet, Jesus promises that our yoke will be, light, our yoke will be easy and our burden will be light. And what he's saying there is is the beauty of this relationship is that when we surrender to our relationship with God, there is so much extra provision and joy in that. There is so much extra holding up with his hand. There's so much extra um, just love from that relationship. When we go through trials and sacrifice, God is there with us, right? He walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death. And so in relationship with all of that, sorry, in relationship with God, we, we get the ability or the yoke to be able to walk through all those things in love. And that is the real gift of obedience and sacrifice, and that God, is that God provides for us through all those things.